All right, welcome everyone to Divi Chat this evening. So excited to have you here. Um, and as you are joining us, I see some of you have been waiting already. Uh, say hello in the chat. We want to know that you're there. And tonight's uh, topic is we're going to talk about uh, problem solving and troubleshooting uh, WordPress websites. Before, before we get into that, let's meet everyone. Um, and so why don't we just start and, and move down to the, the guy down below. And we'll just go around the circle here. Hey, everyone. Tim Streifler here. I'm broadcasting from San Clemente, California. It's been at least a few weeks since I've been on here in Divi Chat. Uh, I know we had a couple of misses as well. But either way, I am stoked to be back. It feels great to be back. Excited to be talking about this subject. I don't personally do a lot of troubleshooting these days, but my team does. And so we have some kind of uh, internal processes that I'm happy to, to share. And um yeah, you can find me online at divilife.com where I have all of my Divi plugins, child themes, layouts, tutorials, and courses. Hey guys, Sarah Oates here from Endure Web Studios coming to you from Canberra, Australia. Oh, nearly just lost my voice then. Uh, you can catch me at endure.com.au or endure web on the socials. I've had an issue over the last three days that I have been troubleshooting. So there you go. I can share the bits and pieces that I've figured out along the way because it stumped me. And usually they're fairly obvious, but occasionally they're not. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one of those too, Sarah. Can't wait to, <laughs> can't wait to share. Uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Mike Devitt, uh, founder of Web Design Pro. Um, when it comes to this subject we're going to talk about tonight, um, when we're trying to fix our client sites when they go wrong, we employ a little bit of Elvis, a little bit more conversation, a little more conversation, a little more action. Perhaps we put Lionel Richie on as we go prepare to go all night long solving a problem. But tonight with this episode, you will get our combined experience of what to do when you're in a jam. You can catch me on webdesignpro.co, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. So that's what Lionel Richie was talking about all night long. Troubleshooting. I, I never realized that. I thought it was about something else entirely. But... He was the founder of WordPress. Did you not know? <laughs> he was, he's the world's first technical troubleshooter. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, my name is Eric, and I am actually broadcasting right now from Mexico City. Um, so my family and I are full-time digital nomads exploring the world, and I have In Transit Studios where we help local businesses turn a uh, standard brochure website into a marketing hub to help them get more customer activity every single day. Um, and I am excited to uh, hear some of what the, the everybody else has got to say, because I don't do much troubleshooting either. Um, we have a ticketing system, so support things come in and, and I don't even see those. Um, and so I am uh, excited about this. I do get an update. And so like, a couple of you, we have an issue that has been baffling us the last three days. So this is a really timely episode. Um, so Tim, do you want to st like start off and like set us up with any like boundaries yeah. of what we're talking about here or, you know, what, what do you got for us as far as uh, the defining the topic or the scope of the conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I'll, to set it up, talk a little bit about why, we need to troubleshoot. Um, first of all, technology has bugs. If there's software, there's also going to be bugs. Even 
the best, most like intelligent, uh, experienced software developers in the world have bugs. It's just a nature of software. And so, um, obviously, uh, poorly coded software is going to have more bugs than well coded software, but even well coded software has bugs. And then what makes things even more complicated with WordPress is WordPress is not just one piece of software. It's dozens and potentially dozens and dozens of pieces of software coded by different developers, potentially all like in some way working together, right? More or less. And so when you have different developers building different things that are made to work together, inevitably there's going to be conflicts. And so conflicts is kind of one of the areas of, of troubleshooting that we'll, we'll discuss. And so um, if you are building websites, even if you're not touching code, if you are just installing Divi and using all the built-in controls and you're installing plugins, you have the potential to run into issues uh, when it comes to software bugs. And so learning how to troubleshoot and get around those things is crucial to being a effective web designer. Or even if you're not building websites for clients, you're just managing your own website. Um, still, you want to be able to learn to troubleshoot because you will come across these types of things. And so um, as, as Mike mentioned in his intro, uh, sometimes these things end up going all night long. Um, but they don't always have to. And so uh, learning some of these best practice uh, tips and tricks and, and processes for troubleshooting can save you a lot of time and can also save your hair uh, from being pulled out out of frustration. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Not to say that Eric's Eric is uh, <laughs> nope, a He's had a lot of bugs. Yep. He's, oh. he's been all night long quite a few times. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, that is awkward. Okay. Um, so I was kind of curious but a little bit ago and I went to chat GPT and I um, asked, you know, it to, to crank out a list of a hundred things that can go wrong with a WordPress website. And it didn't really have any problems with that. So wow. um, <laughs> I think we have uh, plenty that we, we can talk about. Wait, um, I guess, sorry, not, not relevant, but did it do a full 100? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a full 100 we'll, uh, list. We'll say this for when we do a chat GBT or an AI episode, but every time I ask chat GPT to do something, it does it like part of the way. I'm like, Hey, write me a 1200 <laughs> word uh, article on this subject that fits these parameters. And it does like half of it. And I'm like, Where's the other half? <laughs> no, like I got you started. Way. Now it's your turn, bud. Stop yeah. being lazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're lucky if you even managed to get logged into it. So that's, you know, that's a start, isn't it? You think, <laughs> oh, yes, I'm in. <laughs> um, so I think, let's see, uh, what are some of the most common things that you guys have heard or come up? So let's just start with some of the, the most common ones. So, um Mike, how about you? Do you have any, what, what do you think of when you think of the most common types of issues that come in? Yeah, uh, generally um, through upgrades or upgrading, the upgrading process of, uh, of either WordPress or maybe going back a, a ways Divi, although Divi's been very uh, stable for a, for a long time now. It's, it's rare yeah. that I come across anything with Divi. Um, and then you end up with a situation whereby something doesn't look right on the site and then you may check it in another browser 
oh, something's just not right. Maybe um, something's something's changed in some ways. And so one of the things that I tend to do before even upgrading a, upgrading a site is take uh, a few snapshots of pages and have an idea of what a site looks like. Because sometimes you think, you're looking at it and you think, that doesn't look quite right. But I can't tell you, can't tell you why. <laughs> and maybe it might be the font's not loading properly. Something's something's wrong. So, or maybe um, it was already broken before. Like, yeah. have you ever done the thing where you've updated a website and then something's a bit broken, or someone like reports something, and then you think, oh well, I did just update, so like it's probably to do with that thing. But then you discover it had nothing to do with the upgrade. It had been broken for a while, just no one had noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. and- <laughs> That's even more frustrating. In fact, what's happening at the moment, and I talk a little bit about um, upgrading PHP um, because there are quite a few hosting companies at the moment that are actually removing PHP anything before version 8. Yeah. And so what's happening is that some sites are just stopping to function completely because uh, usually people haven't had their maintenance done on the site and they I've just left it and you know old code bespoke wordpress sites that were written in 2015 something like that um and they're just not going to work with with wordpress 8 and i don't know if um um, sarah tim eric any of your teams have had the experience i'm sure they have of um trying to upgrade from version 7.4 of php to version 8 on a website some of them go really smoothly. The ones that go smoothly are the ones that you've been upgrading all the way along and you've kept everything in step. It's the ones where you've come across something where somebody's not had anything done to a site for a long time. And then you're right, here we go. The process now of stripping this all back to be able to work out where it's going wrong. And where I tend to start with that, if we're having those types of issues is I'll install the health check and troubleshooting um, plugin, which is incredibly useful. I know we have safe mode with Dibby, um, but actually I prefer the health check and troubleshooting plugin because I can just go in and I can, uh, it'll pull the theme back to a base base theme. And then I can select my child theme and just turn my child theme on. No plugins. So it turns off all the plugins. I'll just have the child theme on. So is it the child theme? Are you are you doing that on the live site, or are you cloning over to like a subdomain? And, and it will depend on the um, traffic to the site. So if it if this was e-commerce, then no, uh, I would that would be I would I would for a start I wouldn't have an e-commerce site without having a staging site or even another version of the site. Um, if it's a normal sort of brochure site, then you know you, you have to always allow for the fact that something like that's going to go wrong. So. But with health check and troubleshooting, it's going to switch everything off, but it's not going to show on the site. So it's an excellent plugin. I've used it a number of times, and it's just it's helped me get to the bottom of something very, very quickly. That's awesome. I've never even heard of that plugin. So no, I haven't either. Another thing, just to keep in mind, when you're saying like the issues when you're upgrading to PHP is usually if it's mm. not updated. I just had a site um, recently. I maintain it. I keep it updated. I saw that, like, I've been getting the warnings that all my sites need to have their PHP updated because they're on, like, 7.4 point something. Yeah. Um, and so I went to update this particular one. 
everything else is updated. Nah, couldn't update it. It's because it's got a really old Divi plugin on it, a third-party plugin who clearly is not keeping things updated. And mm-hmm. so now I need to go through the process. There are alternative ways now of fixing what I was using that plugin for that didn't, you know, back then I needed that plugin. Now I don't need that plugin. I have to redevelop like a whole chunk of that website before I can now update it to PH, to the new PHP. And so it's one of those things where occasionally it's actually a third-party plugin that's causing the problem and therefore you need to take a step back, work out, do they have an update? Am I, being pay- am I paying for my license? Okay, I am paying for my license or it was a one-off payment or whatever, but that company is clearly not keeping that updated anymore. All right, now I need to find a new solution to that plugin. Can I do it natively in Divi? Do I need to find another third-party plugin to achieve that thing? And so that's quite a process. And for some of us, if you built the website five years ago, you might face that issue in upgrading to um, PHP 8 because some people were very excited about making plugins and then they decided to do something else. And that's always our risk with third-party plugins. And that's one of the reasons we're constantly saying you should pay for your plugins. And you should pick a company that's not going anywhere. You know, like Tim Streifler, Divi Life is not going anywhere. And so I feel pretty confident I can put one of those plugins on. If it's not working, there is current tech support that I can contact. Like picking one of the big guys is always going to be a safer bet than like some rando little, you know, one plugin that someone made. Sure, it might fix your answer right now, but in five years' time, they may not be supporting that plugin anymore and then you have to face a whole new issue of how to manage that. So that also yeah. could be a thing with updating PHP. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I, a couple of things that with that, like when, when choosing a plugin, you kind of have to ask yourself, is this, is this plugin the right plugin or is this plugin just right now? There's a big difference mm-hmm. between something being right and right now. So you, you want yeah. something that's that's right. Um, and then my my question real quick before you say is when you run up to something like this where you're going to have to develop a, a redevelop a section of the site, do you go back to the client and, and explain that and, and charge them for that? Or is, do you consider that part of your routine uh, care? It depends on the size of the process. Um, so... It really depends. My clients all get two hours of tech support included or changes included per year in their hosting with me. And a lot of clients don't use any of that. So this particular client hasn't used any of that time. So realistically, like max, it's going to take me three hours, but it's probably not even going to take me three hours realistically. So no, I'm probably not going to charge them for that time. And there's, there is an element of bug fixing, and then there's an element of this is a full upgrade and, and it depends, right? So for this client, I just think that's part of this site running. They already have two hours of tech support. It's kind of in the middle. That's fine. I'll make it work, right? I've got another client who um, had a uh, Divi third-party gallery plugin because we wanted to be able to have a particular layout of the gallery. Now, that is no longer being supported. And they had suddenly come to me and said... Like it's not loading. I don't understand what's not loading. So then I went down this rabbit hole of it must be caching. I made sure all the Divi settings were turned off, the theme options, which is number one, check. If something's not appearing on your website, check if Divi theme options, like the advanced things or whatever they are, the performance tab that everything's turned off. 
And yeah. then, <clears throat> you know, clear your cache, check if it's working. I then changed the cache. So I went from WP Rocket to W3T, WT3. Total cache. Whatever that is, total cache. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went and I changed that. It kind of seemed like it was working, but then no, it wasn't working. Then I discovered, hold on, this plugin has not been updated since we launched it. That was three years ago. They're clearly not updating it. So then I had to go to the client and say, okay, well, I have this other plugin. We can use it. I'm already paying for it. So you're not going to need to pay extra. However, you are going to need to redo the gallery. So I kind of put it back on them and said, look, this is my recommendation. You've got this plugin. It's not really working at the moment. I'm happy to install the new one. I've already set up the settings for it, but it's going to be your job to now go and reload that and then I'll switch it over for you. So it's a bit of like a, you know, back and forth where I'm kind of giving them the control and saying, this is what I think we should do, but it's your choice and you need to be a part of the solution because refilling a gallery is freaking hard. Like trying to like spot the photo and like put it in the right order. I was like, I'm not doing that crap. Like that's going to take forever. So I think there's some times where I'm like, this is just bug fixing and it really should be a part of their maintenance. This is beyond bug fixing. And so for me, it's a case by case. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, And if they're asking for it, that's another one. If I spot the bug then I'm more likely to kind of be a part of the solution. If they spot something and then they say, we want this to be upgraded, I'm more likely to say, no worries. This is going to be the cost associated with that. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Okay. No, that makes sense. I was, I was just kind of curious. Um, all right. So what are some other common type, uh, you know, issues, troubleshooting, email, you know, complaints you get from uh, clients? Um, Sarah, you got one or uh, Tim? Well, I, I want to go back. I, Sarah kind of mentioned it a second ago with Caching. clearing cash. Yeah. And, and I think that is a, an important one because it is such yeah. a common thing. And then Mike it mentioned um, earlier about going through the update process, right? So updating WordPress plugins or themes, um, whether you see an issue or not, part of your update process should be clearing the cash and then if you do see an issue, make sure that your browser cl- cache is also cleared because what people don't realize is when you are um, updating a plugin or a theme, it might have a CSS file that is changed, right? Or a JavaScript file that's changed, but that file is cached in your browser or a visitor's browser. And so you need to make sure you clear everything, clear your browser cache so that you're seeing the most recent version because it might be that file might have changed, but your browser's still loading the old one, but it's still, it's like everything's wonky. And so you need to make sure everything's cleared. And so um, unfortunately, cache, it's a blessing and a curse, but oh, it no, is it's a, a reality in web design. <laughs> What's that? A, it is a curse. Yeah, it really is. I always, always. And, and the thing is, um, you know, with web design and web development, when you're designing a site and you're trying to you turn all the caching off, just turn everything off, you still end up bumping into it at various, various points with um, something that a server's decided that it's going to hang on to. So unless you're developing locally, and I'm, I tend to develop on, on a, like a test site, like a subdomain these days. Um, I did go through a period of um, uh, using sort of um, XAMP, MAMP, um, and uh, what's the other one? Local, local by flywheel. I think I've used them 
used them before when I was developing some sites. Um, but in the end, I just decided just to use subdomains. And then, of course, I know I'm going to bump into caching then. And there's a really good um, Chrome extension called Clear Cache. We've talked about this one before. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if you set that in the settings for Clear Cache, if you set that to um, uh, actually reload the browser, yeah. yeah, thanks, Sean. Yeah, Sean Callanan um, uses it as well. Uh, if you set yeah, the that only to... settings you need on is automatically reload active tab after yeah. clearing cache That's and the, the cache. So yeah. everything else you can turn off and it yeah. will do what you need it to do. You don't need yeah. to have all, because if you do all the other things, it'll like remove other stuff that's actually useful for you when you're just generally using the internet. You yeah. only need the cache one ticked and reload. So a lot of times, and that's why I'll, I'll use like a, a different browser, you yeah. know, or incognito or private, um, uh, which somebody else suggested as well, because yeah. I mean, sometimes I hate going in and, you know, then you go to go back on something, you've been logged out of something of your own and stuff. So Yeah. And yeah. and also explaining to your client how to use incognito makes all the difference because yeah. trying to explain to a client, you need to install this extension on your Chrome and then put these settings in. Yeah. Like that's just never going to happen, right? And so being able to say, go to file, click new incognito window, now load your website, is it still doing the thing? <laughs> Yeah. Then yeah. it's, you know, you can explain this is just your particular browser that has this cache. Because sometimes explaining it to the client is like the hardest part, right? Like when you you have done your things and you go, it's fixed. And then the client goes, it's not fixed. And you're like, it is fixed. <laughs> like, it's fixed. It's fixed. <laughs> That's like the hardest part, right? <laughs> and, it, and it's worse. It's worse when they're looking at it on mobile because... For some reason, that's even harder for some people to figure out how to go into private or, you know, private browsing. And yeah. it seems to me like the the browser cache on a mobile takes the longest to reset or clear, even yeah, if you're right. sending, you know, a, a signal for the browsers to reset the cache or whatever. But um, yeah. that, that seems to be the worst on, on mobile. Um so I've got yeah. a I've got another helpful plug in here um, yeah. for anybody sort of trying to uh, work out what's wrong with their site. Um, it's called Query Monitor by John Blackbone, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it'll just sometimes um, when you add that plug in at first, when you first see it, if you're not used to seeing all the queries that are going on, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Oh, alarming! Um, what's going it, on? Uh, alarming and overwhelming at the same time, yeah. uh, but it can also help. Uh, help with your di- diagnostics um, yeah but don't leave it on your website no, that's my biggest no. recommendation yeah, yeah. is put it on figure out the stuff then get rid of it partly because it kind of does a lot in the background it makes your back-end experience a little slower but also yeah. if your client sees that plugin they will freak out and then they'll contact you and say i'm getting all these warnings and they'll fully freak out and so my recommendation is do not leave it on your website <laughs> Made so, the mistake more than so, once. <laughs> I've left it there. <laughs> yeah. So I know some of the common issues that we get um, from time to time, especially with people that, you know, that we didn't build the site for or, or launch the site um, is, you know, I'm, you know, people are submitting forms on my website and I'm not getting the form. Um, you know, so I know that's one that people get and people, you know, especially starting out, you um, 
that's a very easy one to get after you launch a website when you're just starting out. So let's say that let's, let's just walk someone that's, you know, listening or watching um, and they get that email from a client or someone, you know, how do you, how do you go after tackling uh, people are submitting, putting forms on my, filling in the form on my website, but I'm not getting it. Yeah. Um, so two things to fix that. Um, and I, I personally believe doing both. Um, and one is, is using a form plugin that will save all entries in the database. Yep. So yeah. Divi's form plugin does not, it right. does not have a database. So it does not save it. So if the email sending on, on the server is not working right, which is usually the main issue and someone submits a form, maybe it's a, a huge lead for your client. Mm. Well, if the email doesn't get through, that's it. You don't, you, that is a lost lead. Um, but if you're using a, a form plugin that has a database, so pretty much every single premium form plugin has a database where you can see a log of everything that was submitted through, um, then you, you have that safeguard. So you can always go back and see who submitted what, when, and, and, and the best thing about like gravity goes. forms, I don't know the other ones, but so I had this semi recently, there was lots for one client. So you can export all of the data and just send it through to them. And so then yeah. they just have this big export or there's a little resend button in gravity forms, which I thought was super cool because then you can basically send the notification again to them. You're checking that it's getting through to them. But secondly, they've got it in the nice little pretty format that Gravity Forms puts it in that they can then deal with it and they can directly reply to that email and it goes straight to the client if you've set it up that way. So Gravity Forms being able to resend to the client makes you look really good if it doesn't work. Um, yeah. So that's an advantage. That's a well. great point. I love that. Yeah. And Gravity Forms is what I use and it, what I recommend. It is uh, a premium form plugin. Um, yeah. You get what you pay for. Um, however, if you absolutely cannot pay for one, Forminator is a free one. It's by WPMU Dev. It has a lot of premium level features, but 100% for free. And they do it because they want to expose people to their ecosystem of hosting and other plugins. And so typically I'm, I'm very hesitant about putting free plugins on a site because it's like, mm -hmm. like we talked about, is a developer going to disappear? Are they going to stop supporting it? Are they not going to up upgrade the PHP? But yeah, this like one's a safe one because they have a Caldera. huge Caldera. Caldera yeah, was Caldera. a big guy and they just oh, disappeared. And how oh, much pain did that, that cause painful. all of us who put yeah. the free one on these people's sites? And now we had to go switch it. It was a pain in yeah. the butt. They, they sold Caldera to Ninja Forms and then Ninja killed them. Yeah. I don't yeah. really know what the strategy was there. But <laughs> another another plugin um, I use and I dropped it in the, uh, the chat. Um, is there's an email log, a WP email log, and it logs this, the, but every single email that goes through the site. So even, um, you know, uh, of some, of, like password resets. Yeah, like all right. of that. Like, you know, so um, if WooCommerce, you know, if you're using WooCommerce or any other third-party plugin, like every single email that goes through the website, um it's logged and then they do have an extension that you can put on to that is that you can resend that one they charge. So they charge for that extension, but just having that log for troubleshooting, because if nothing else, you can always copy and paste some. There's only been one time we paid to put it on somebody's site to do a resend of a bunch of uh, past emails. But that, that plugin is part of our, um, our, our starting theme that's just, that just we just put that on every single yeah, website nice. that's um, cool because yeah. it helps with troubleshooting 
um, yeah. email issues. Yeah, yeah I've got sure. one. Um, so um, this this is a plugin. I've tried all kinds of email uh, plugins. I did Mailgun, Send uh, SendGrid, another one. Uh, tried those, and then I came across this one. And um, um, a friend of ours in the Focus on Your Biz, Kylie, recommended this to me. And it is the easiest and quickest to set up. So it, uh, you literally, I can have this set up on a client site within five minutes. Uh, I've done the Postman SNTP app as well, that uh, plugin as well. That one's been, that causes a bit of pain because it's all using Google, Google accounts. And so you're then into two-factor authentication. This doesn't need that. It does the same service um, that Eric was just talking about, where you can see the activity. Um, and this is, I think it's something like $10 for like 10,000 emails. So <laughs> it's very, very reasonably priced. Cool. I've got a number of client sites on it. You set a server up, you set a sender signature up so that you can send from any email. So you can have like a no reply at example.com or a Tim Strifler at example.com um, as a, as a sending signature. And then you just add a couple of records to the DNS uh, for the domain and you're good to go. Um, oh. API key done. Nice. Yeah. Um, so to add to that, uh, I guess, let me take a step back. The reason why that happens where a client will hmm. say, I'm not getting emails through the contact form or I'm not getting password reset emails is because web servers are not really designed to send emails, right? They're optimized for displaying a website, right? And everything yeah. goes into yeah. that. They can yeah. send emails, but they're not really meant to. And so that's why we have these issues. And so as I mentioned, having a form plugin that will, will have a, a database of all the entries is, is great. But then really what you want to do is what, what Mike was talking about, which is offloading that email sending from your web server to a service that specializes in sending emails, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, you want your website to be your website and not try to be other things, right? Like if you need to send marketing emails, use an email marketing service. You know, if you need to yeah. do this, then use a, another service. And so email sending is one of those things where uh, especially if you're on a site like e-commerce where there's a lot of transactional emails happening, offloading to a service like Mike mentioned. Um, I've used SendGrid, never really been happy with it. Uh, no. I use Mandrill, which is owned by MailChimp. Oh, yeah, you can Mandrill. only use Mandrill if you're a paid MailChimp customer, and then it's an additional fee on top of that. That one's really good, and I do like it, and it pairs well nicely with with their email marketing. But um, I'll have to check out uh, Postmark as well. I've heard good things about that too uh, that Mike recommended. All right. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I just want to apologize real quick. Uh, my camera went out and for some of whatever reason, my, my good mic, my, I run it through an app called crisp. It went out and people started hearing my kids are literally like 20 feet away from <laughs> playing, the, uh, playing the Nintendo switch. And they're, <laughs> That's the sound was coming through. So, so the <laughs> nice soundtrack. It was whatever game my kids were just playing. <laughs> like, I thought someone's phone was ringing. Chris, I turned back on my Chris microphone and heard that. Much better. Much better. Okay. <laughs> so I just wanted to rewind slightly to uh, the contact forms we were we were talking about. So it was about a year ago, and I think Tim Tim was on the episode, and he said 
you must try Forminator out. You know, uh, he's been using that for for a while. So I started using that after the episode. I thought, I trust him. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so Sorry, I started adding that. Bad. Uh-oh. No, no, it's all good. So far, okay. so good. But I've also come across um, quite a lot of people, uh, quite a lot of sites with contact form um, seven on it. Uh, and Nancy mentioned this earlier. She was saying in the chat, let me just bring that up. Um, if you use, if using contact form seven, you have to add Flamingo plugin to have the entries saved. Uh, Gravity forms is much better. Yet there is an additional that people think people don't realize with um, contact form seven is that there is an, another plugin if you wanted to save all the database entries for that. So if you come across a site and somebody's got it, and you don't particularly want to go through the pain, what we call the Caldera pain, if you like, of yeah. uninstalling or trying to, let's just say you've even they've Also, got sometimes you can't. Like you come forms. across a, no. If yeah. they have a theme that requires yeah. Contact Form 7, yeah. sometimes you don't have the choice. Like you literally have to keep using Contact Form 7 because the way it's been set up, that's the option. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's been literally like a decade since I've used Contact Form 7. But when I first was getting into WordPress, it was like one of the only ones out there. Like mm-hmm. now there's so many choices that used to not be the case. And I remember thinking like, why is this the most popular one? Like, this is crap. Like it's, it's super awful. confusing, hard to use. I'm like, I can't imagine what the first six Contact Form plugins were that came before it. <laughs> But it's, yeah. when I, as soon as I discovered Gravity Forms, it was the first like big premium plugin subscription that I got, and I have never canceled. Yeah. Uh, and it's been a, a great investment. Yeah, and I've. It's funny, Mike. You mentioned Formator. It is. I have used it a decent amount, um, but my go-to is typically Gravity Forms. So I recommend Formator like a lot as a free option. But I've, I've probably recommended it more than I've actually used it. So I'm glad to hear that. It, it <laughs> oh, has thanks, been. Tim. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it's working out well for you. I mean, I've definitely tested it. So like, and I, yeah. <laughs> you tested it on like one site and yeah, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> so I think- That's like a, what YouTubers do in, in yeah. blog posters yeah. is they'll test yeah. something out and then they'll recommend the heck out of it because it has like a yeah. really high affiliate commission yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, again, you know, it, it sounds like the same thing we kind of talked about at the, the beginning a little bit, like, you know, if you're building websites to put onto your maintenance and hosting plan, one of the best things you can do is make sure you're using quality plugins, um, build the site well, you're going to have a lot less problems down the road. Um, but sometimes things do definitely come up. So forms is one. Uh, another one I know that probably in the last year or so we've, we've got these more is somebody else will, somebody will forward us um, an email that they get from Google that Google has detected some new indexing issue. Um, so are you guys getting those, any of those from your clients or anything like that? Usually it's actually the, the one that says elements are too close together. Yeah. And then you log in and you click verify and then it just goes away. Yeah. yeah, a lot of those I feel like from Google are, um, I don't want to say sent in air, but just like, like not, they're like non-issues typically. Yeah. Like, um, And if you leave example, them, they'll usually resolve themselves. But if a client yeah. is on the thing that they will freak out. And so 
Yeah. My, my advice with that is read it. Sometimes I try to like skim over it and then try to get past it as soon as possible. Take a second, read it, understand what it's saying. If you're not sure, copy and paste the air, put it into Google and, and, and read what comes up because, and then you click on it and investigate further. Cause it's one of those things where it's like, if it is a real issue, yeah, then that could be bad. That. That could affect your rankings. Um, yeah. but like some of them are just like total non-issues. Like for example, um, your, you like redirected a page and it's now saying that a previously indexed page is now redirecting or something like that. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that was intentional. That's like, what I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you. so it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, they want to just alert you about anything and everything, which isn't always a good thing. And so you just kind of have to know and, and be able to discern what is necessary to investigate further or what you can ignore. Yeah. I think there was there were there, there's a difference with the uh, Google sent emails from as Sarah said the clickable elements too close together that type of error to something that when you look in Search Console that says something along the lines of crawled currently not indexed um, discovered currently not indexed and those errors are two very different errors yeah uh, and they're important to take notice of because you might be working on behalf of a client or you might have you might have made a client site live you might have submitted the site map to google the client comes back to you and says i'm not being found i can't what's going on and actually if you've if you've done the right thing by setting search console up from the beginning and i would 100 percent recommend this on every single website that yeah. you install get search Launch console checklist. yeah as part of your checklist yeah absolutely right tim and then what you're doing afterwards is you're checking that Google is actually starting to index that site. Um, I've had site uh, last year was a particularly bad year, I think, for Google for for doing that. They they seem to just uh, take forever to start indexing sites, and uh, so I was going in and pushing them to uh, index some of the pages. Uh, you can test URLs. Um, to see that Google can actually see the page. You can view the screenshot within Search Console. Search Console is a huge tool. We won't go into it. Maybe we'll do it on an episode, um, but it is a huge tool and do not underestimate what comes from it. But I do agree there are some what I call spurious little errors and then there's some big ones too. Um, I like, oh, I was wrong. Somebody, um, Sean, Sean put in, those Google emails seem to all hit at the first four days of the month. All at yeah. once. Um, and it's true. For whatever reason, it's all like. Just, just when the Google's crawled your site. Yeah. It depends yeah. on the regularity. How often you are um, actually paying attention to your site in terms of changing it. If you're changing your site on a regular basis, Google will come back and visit it more. If you don't do anything for your site for like six to seven months, <clears throat> Google's going to visit it less. So it's more than likely that it, that's probably the reason. All right. So Google indexing issues. Um, we've got time for another a round of common issues. How about Sarah? You had any uh, other types of issues that come up? Yeah, I think one of the most common ones is a 500 error. So, um, you know, if you've got uptime monitoring, which I recommend if you're managing a client site, you should have uptime monitoring. I use better uptime. I think I bought it through AppSumo or something like that. But there's plenty out there. Just make sure there's a couple of things with choosing your uptime monitor. Make sure you choose one that does your local region. So you guys, it won't matter, right? Because 
you guys are all fancy pants. But in Australia, it matters because if they're US-based or UK-based, they're not necessarily checking the local information. So make sure you pick one. So I had to be really specific in picking one that could do Sydney so that I was getting local actual information. So that's one point of, you know, a side note on your better uptime or your uptime monitor. So I have my uptime monitor set to notify my Slack. And then when it notifies my Slack, it notifies with a recurring notification so that I cannot miss it. Like once it's been down for one minute, then it notifies me. So you can choose all your settings, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So your website goes down, you go check it. Yep. It's a 500 error. Crap. What am I going to do? I don't know why this has happened. It suddenly happened. So you've got options about how to react to it. It depends on the actual site to how important it is for that to be fixed within a very quick space of time or whether you've got a moment to be able to just take a moment. So you can go through a number of approaches. Like one approach is often these things happen with a plugin conflict. Maybe you set something to auto update it's auto updated and now that's happened. So you could choose, depending on what hosting you're using, like my hosting is Plesk, uses Plesk. And so you can go into the background and you can turn, like deactivate plugins that way. You can manually do it through going to the file area and kind of renaming the plugin. That's like a long way of doing it. But this could be a quick way of just quickly deactivating all your plugins. Check, does it go back online? Okay, great. It's a plugin. Quickly turn one on at a time and test, you know, That's one way to go about it. Often though, the way that I approach it is I go into Plesk. Obviously you've got your own systems. I go into Plesk and I go to my backups and I go to the most recent backup and I click restore backup and then I let it restore and then I put it into staging and then in staging, I re-update whatever was not updated and like what needs updating, see if the error happens again and then start my process of debugging on the staging site because I know this site has an issue. I don't know why this site has an issue. So that's my usual process. Obviously, you can go any other way. Another way to do it would be before you restore it, go and clone it somewhere else. Don't clone it onto a subdomain if you're hosting. So my hosting manages the backups as the whole domain. So you don't want to just put it on a subdomain and then go back to the recent backup because you'll just lose the subdomain you just created, right? So maybe clone it to like, I have this Endure dev place. So I can clone it over to a subdomain of there, then restore the backup. Okay, it's happy and up and ready to go. This is why backups matter so much. This is why one-click backups are your best friend. And then go over to this site that you have cloned and start debugging what the heck is going on with it because there's something going on with it and you've already got it in the state of it being unhappy, which can be a good state to start at because then you can kind of work out what, why is it so unhappy? Um, So you can do all of that stuff and then you can think it's resolved, right? So I had a site the other day, it was going down and I could not work out what was going on. It was going down, up, down, up. And so I had restored it I had gone through, I thought there was this one particular plugin we weren't even using, but I thought, I think it might be that. So I like got rid of that. It seemed happier. Nah, wasn't happy. Changed the cache because I've been having lots of issues with WP Rocket. So I changed the cache over to see if that, it seemed like it was happier. I thought, yep, we're in a really good place. And then yesterday I said to the client, I've watched it for 24 hours. It's going really well. 
have you seen any issues? He comes back. And it was while I'd done school pickup. I get an uptime monitor. It's gone down. He emails me back. It's it's still being really buggy. I don't know what's going on. And I'm thinking, crap, this is my first year with this client. I don't want to lose them. I'm about to send them maintenance next month. Like, huh? And so then I'm like, okay, crap. I don't. So I go back to them and say, all right, I've done what I can do at this point. I'm going to go to my host and get them to check. And so my host went and looked at it. And I had already done some of this stuff, but they said to me it was the PHP limit. Now, the issue with this, right, and then they have given me a rundown of how to look in my logs. Uh, The great thing about the way my host is set up is the logs are automatically turned on. And so they've shown me where to go and look in my logs to see the PHP errors so that I can figure that out. And if I had have known how to do that and I'd done that on the first day, I would have seen it was PHP and I could have fixed it straight away. So now I know that. That's a new tool in my bag that I'm going to use as my first step, right? But um, in the process, I had gone and checked my PHP. So one of my first steps, which I didn't mention before, is going and checking my settings, making sure there's a whole bunch of like checking the PHP version, checking the memory limit, checking like all these different like file upload size, those kind of things, and then some child thing, which I like to set at 15. Um, and so I had done that stuff. These guys were on 128 megs. This is a small site. It should not need 256. Why does it need it? I'm not really sure, but somehow it needs it. We've upped it. It's happy. So Hmm. sometimes the issue does not make sense. Why does this site need that much memory? I don't know. I'm really not sure. I can't be bothered to research it. Like obviously some plugin is using more than it needs, but am I going to be bothered with that? No, I've just updated it's happy, it's on its way. So I think that's a good example of a site where the usual things aren't the thing. And sometimes it takes a little bit more debugging. But in the process, I looked pretty unprofessional to my client. So when it first happened, it was on the weekend. I didn't catch it as quick as I could have caught it. He's pretretty unhappy at this point, right? <laughs> like, But as much as I can, I've tried to communicate to him Like I'm onto it. I'm not giving up on this. I will make sure it's fixed. Um, And so I think some of that is the the process is being able to go, crap, there is something wrong here and I don't know what it is. I'm going to communicate. You know what? I love that. I love that. There's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but I will fix it. It may take us a couple of days, but don't give up on me because I'm going to get this sorted. All um, night long. <laughs> but I do recommend like checking out what your host has as an option. So for my yeah. host in Plesk, there's an option that says logs. You can click on the logs up the top. You can filter by PHP error, and then it will only show you the PHP errors for that website. And so straight away you can see that information. And if I had have looked at that, I would have really clearly seen where it said PHP limit exceeded. Oh, I'll just yeah. increase the PHP. Like, <laughs> so there's some things I'm still learning 10 years in, right? Like there's some things we're still learning along the way of how to debug. Why on earth is this little site doing this thing? I don't know, but I kind of don't care. Like yeah. sometimes we yeah. care, sometimes we don't. Like if it was still doing it, yeah, I would get to the bottom of what on earth is making it need more memory. So Yeah, so, that's a great story, you. sir. I, I just want to reiterate and reemphasize 
the the server logs. They are a wealth of information. They can be really intimidating when you first open them up because it's just like just like text, like a wall of text. And it, it, it takes you some time and concentration to actually kind of look at it and, and see, okay, here's the date. The site just went down. And I could see based off of it went down, here's the log uh, of, of what happened right before. And you can kind of investigate. And like Sarah said, the memory limit, usually you'll be able to see, it'll say what is like causing that. Not always, but sometimes it'll show you like what file which is it's a file in in a specific plugins folder that is oh, causing nice. and so then you can see okay this is the plugin that's causing the, the limit because like sarah said it was not like a crazy site it shouldn't have needed to be increased and i had a similar thing where i just recently installed the plugin just to add one thing and then all of a sudden i was getting the plugin actually had it built in to show me a notice in the admin panel that said hey you need to increase your php memory to 256 like, and that's not something I typically need to do. And yeah. so, um, so I had to increase it. and it wasn't a big deal, but if it didn't have that warning and I started using it, the same exact scenario could have happened that Sarah went through. Um, and so, um, so yeah, that's, yeah, usually it's just one plugin that for whatever reason is, it needs more of that PHP memory. So the, the log And honestly, 256 well isn't that big of a deal. Like I make it sound like, oh, it shouldn't need this much. It's really not that big of a deal to increase the PHP memory limit to that. So don't make me like, don't make it sound like it's a really big deal. It's just unusual for a smaller site, but for like a WooCommerce site, you would 100% at least be starting on 256. And so it's not a big deal at all. And your host can cope with that. Yeah, so absolutely. what I would also recommend is that you need to be at some point in your career immersed in what's gone wrong because it, you learn so much from it. And so take on the, the, bigger, the, the bigger projects, be a part of something, help other people in the Facebook groups. If you see something in say the Facebook groups where somebody's presenting a problem, see if you can help, see if you can work out what it is uh, without actually being, even being logged into the site because we have the benefit of having all this, all the tools and everything to be able to look at our own problems. But sometimes, you know, people present problems in sites and actually you could help somebody out who's been spending hours looking at something and they've become desperate and they've thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm new to the game. I don't really know uh, that much. And we've all had help. We've all had help from others. Go out and get that help. Go out and ask ask other people uh, about your issue. And just like Sarah said also, don't be afraid to ha ask the hosting company because they will, have, they will be doing this all day. They might yeah. not be helping everybody all day. Um, I remember SiteGround in the early days of using SiteGround there, their support was unbelievable and you could go to them with absolutely anything and they became absolutely swamped with everybody's WordPress problems. So they had to put up a number of barriers in order to, for people to get there. They did, they did a whole load of FAQs. They did, they, they tried everything to um, stop this um, incessant use of chat and, and using all of their, their engineers. Um, but in that period of time, I learned a massive amount because of those engineers. So I was really kind of a little bit upset when they they kind of did that. Um, but that was my that was my learning ground, if you like, as well, because I was doing things that were way out of my comfort zone. 
Yep. But I yep. learned so much from being out of my comfort zone. And so it's don't a lot to say for to... a good host, right? So yeah. if you're in Australia, use Kinetics because their hosting yeah. is like that. And yeah. I can constantly ask them questions. But also if you have a really good host who does answer questions for you, store their answers. Like don't piss them off by going and asking the same thing again. Like yeah. <laughs> learn yeah. from them and actually yeah. like these guys will usually produce a, a how-to document. And so then store that document so you can at least go check your previous emails or whatever before you then go back to them because yeah. they're a gold mine, but don't piss them off. <laughs> yeah, I always have the the chat transcript email to me so i have that and then i can if i i can search my email and it'll find that answer as well because inevitably you're going to have the same question again so 100 and you will forget how to fix that issue that's yeah with wpn for example there's something that i have to do it has to do with our licensing system wp engine like security is really good but in some cases it'll block people from being able to activate their license key because it's when they activate the license key, it I have that issue with site. you. Yeah, it pings my <laughs> site to make sure that uh, their license is good, right? Well, yeah. sometimes WP Engine security will say, "Whoa, who is this site that's pinging our server?" Yeah. And so it'll it'll block it. And so there's no way for me and my team to go and like manually whitelist their domain. It has to be done by WP Engine support, but it's kind of a tricky thing. And so. Like a lot of times I have to like walk the person through what it is I actually need because they're like yeah, just not getting it. And so I've saved like a pre-written like question of here's what I need and, you know, here's where you look for it. And so because sometimes in, like I know more than the entry level <laughs> tech support person does. Yeah. And so I have to like get them up to speed on what it is. And then if they need to escalate it, they can. But Yeah. I thought of something earlier today when I was uh, thinking about this subject and uh, um, there were a number of things that number of mistakes I've made over the years. And one of the things that I would say absolutely do is start an incident log off. If you are in, in a, in a problem, if you stop and think about it, uh, you are the incident manager, you're the problem manager, you're the change manager, you're the release manager, you're the service improvement manager for your business. So you're doing all of those disciplines and any good incident manager is going to record what they're doing and when they've done it. Because if you are all night long and you've done something at three o'clock in the morning and then you go and get a couple of hours sleep and then you come back to, to approach the problem again, you might go and do exactly the same thing because did I do that or not? And you can't remember because you've got so tired and you've gone past the point. So really good log of what you've done and when you've done it. And then you and then you can just go back over and go, okay, I've done all of these things. Because sometimes we go back to the beginning and try the same thing again. Well, maybe it'll work this time. Well, of course, it's not going to. <laughs> yeah. Leslie yeah. Um, made a comment. I have a current site with a client using, what does it say? Bookable plugin. Bookable, it seems when... Whenever there's a Divi update that um, needs to be done, the plugin doesn't display correctly. And I do the update and I clear the cache and then it's fine. And so I think there are sites like that where you just get to know its quirks, right? Like you just understand this particular site has this particular issue whenever I run a Divi update or whenever I like whatever. And then you know, okay, when I do this one, 
I'm better not to do it from WPN, uh, W, what is it? Manage WP. I'm better to log into this website, run the updates, click clear cache and move on. Sometimes websites just don't clear the cache. Like who knows why they, you've set them up to do the correct thing and they just don't do it. There's some websites. Okay. I know this website. I log in. I run the updates inside the website. Okay, great. Excellent. Um, as a, another side thing, another little bug that I have discovered with Divi is occasionally Divi will do random crazy things and you think, I don't understand why it's doing this thing. It'll be all sorts of little random things. So the tech support I ended up discovering was reinstall Divi from inside your WordPress. So I think I had tried to fix it once by re-uploading it through the file manager don't do it that way. Do it inside Divi. Replace the same version with the same version. That's fine. It refreshes something inside Divi that sometimes if you don't know what the issue is, there's something with Divi, something's not working. Maybe you're trying to use a page builder and, you know, something isn't working inside it. At least try that step and also try um, resaving your permalinks. Sometimes that fixes it. Twice. These are random little fixes that you go, I don't know why this works. But it just works sometimes. And so if you come across things with Divi that are not working properly, one of my first two steps is re-upload Divi inside Divi theme options, uh, inside Divi, um, what's it called? Uh, anyway, the theme things. area. Re-upload it there, get a fresh version from the Divi website, and then resave your permalinks, clear your local cache, and then see if the issue is still happening. Do all of that stuff before you talk to Divi tech support because you'll probably have to do those things anyway. Well, we are approaching the the final hour here, um, or the final, the end of our hour together. Um, and I was say, we're going to do another hour. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. We miss Stephanie. This is why Stephanie yeah. needs to be on here hosting. Um, so, approaching great. the end of our hour, um, and so I do think we'll take a quick. Uh, uh, trip around the the panel here to do um, some final thoughts. But before we do that, I just again thank you everybody for uh, checking out the episode, listening the the chat. The, the, um, some people are asking questions, and and other people in the chat are answering those um, that weren't even getting to. So thanks uh, to Sean and others in the chat that are helping each other out and um, having conversations. That's really cool. Um, and take a moment to make sure you hit the like button and you're subscribed and notified for everything. And we would really love to hear uh, your reviews. And so head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Divi chat. Um, leave us a review. We would um, love to see that. And it helps other people uh, find it. Um, and it's the only payment we get for doing this. So um, we, we really appreciate that. Um, so well, let's head around for, uh, final thoughts. Um, and I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, and I think for me, um, I, I really, uh, would say it, it is okay not to know everything you're going to learn over time, but there are, don't forget that, you know, your host has support, uh, Divi has support, whatever your theme is, you know, has support, um, don't don't be afraid to use that. The key is just communicate to your client. Don't be afraid to say, "Hey, I'm going to reach out. Um, I'm I'm working on this." Um, but I have found that as long as we keep our clients up to date, that we're working, even if it's the no update update, just like, "Hey, we got this. We're we're doing some troubleshooting. Hey, we're going to bring in an expert to look at this." Uh, that's key. Just just let them know. 
um, and then give yourself permission to learn and, and to use uh, experts for that. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Kind of along those same lines, I would say be quick to ask for help. A lot of times our pride gets in the way and, uh, you know, there is that sense of like, we want to figure it out, right? Like this is, the, you know, my responsibility, I need to fix it. But after, you know, a certain amount of time and you need to figure out how long that time is, it's not no longer worth your time to continue troubleshooting. So be quick to ask for help. You know, after you've, you've spent 30 minutes to an hour troubleshooting, like start, you know, go to the, the immediate channels first, like your, your hosting, if that's a related issue or the plugin developer or whatnot, but then also have additional people that you can call upon like developers that you can have, that you can bring in, like Eric mentioned, bringing in an expert, right? Bring in someone, uh, you know, at a higher level of, of skill than you may have that can come in and they could probably figure it out really, really quickly. And so don't spin your wheels for too long. Uh, it'll only stress you out and, uh, make you lose your sleep, lose your sanity, uh, be quick to ask for help and then ask them what was the issue and have them walk you through it so that you can learn, right? That like, I think there's a benefit in, in, in trying to figure out ourselves, but after a certain point, you can still learn by asking for help and then having them walk you through what, what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my final thoughts are around your backups. So make sure that you have backups. I recently did the process of going through and checking every single maintenance site and double checking that they had backups functioning, that there was no errors. Yes, that took me half a day to go through every single client and double check. But I now feel really confident that every single client does have backups that are functioning really well. Um, and knowing how to use them. So if you're not using a one-click system, like if you're not using Plesk where there's one click or your hosting has it, I know WP Engine has one-click restore, practice using a backup because you don't want to find yourself in that moment freaking out when you're having to use up, um, what, uh, I can't remember the names of them. Updraft Plus or whatever, yeah. it still works and it's still easy and it's still good, but you need to practice it so that you know what to expect and how it works. So you're not freaking out. The main yeah. thing is about calming down and going, okay, this feels beyond me. All right. If it feels beyond you, run your recent backup, launch that, and then go in and double check that nothing is turned on to auto update because you don't want it to just keep on happening. If it's happening due to an auto update, turn off all your auto updates and then give yourself some time to fix it. Most updates aren't security updates. Some of them are. And if they are, all right, you need to fix it quicker. But if it's not a security update, it's just an update. You can take a week to figure out the issue. You don't need to do it in the next five seconds if you've got a backup. But knowing how to use your backups will save you a massive amount of stress rather than suddenly getting there and going, crap, I don't have any backups. Like it stopped working three months ago and I didn't realize, or you run it and it errors every time it runs the backup. Well, that's going to freak you out a lot. So making sure that you're good to go. Um, eMedia talked about 2FA as well. I, I feel like we don't really have time to touch on it, but my answer from a security perspective is, any admin needs to have 2FA. I personally use um, WordFence as my security plugin. They have WordFence, um, they have a login security area that allows you to do 2FA. 
I force 2FA for anyone who's an admin. I give them a 10-day grace period to get it set up. I email them and say, you've got 10 days to get it set up. Yes, you will get some emails that say, oh, I didn't set it up or I thought I set it up, but now it's not working. No worries. You can reset the 10-day grace period, get them to start it again, make sure they understand you're not giving up. You're not just letting them not have 2FA. If you need admin, you need 2FA. If you don't want to have 2FA, you can be an editor. That's fine. You don't need 2FA if you're an editor and you've locked it down a little bit. None of my editors have access to the plugins area. They don't have access to the files area, the themes area. They can't do anything if they're an editor except put content on the website. That's fine. If that's all they need, they don't need 2FA. In terms of not locking yourself out, Sorry, I wasn't going to go into it, but now I am. Um, go into the WordFence all areas, whitelist your own IP address and whitelist your IP address in the 2FA section. If you whitelist your IP address in both those places and you have a static IP address, then you will never be locked out because you can always log in. It won't even ask you for, two, for your 2FA when you are at that IP address. So that's how you don't get logged out, logged out or locked out and my recommendation, yes, you have to have it. Yes, your admin clients have to have it. There is no answer around that. Admin has to have it. The end. Uh, That's good. The, the IP address is tricky when you're a digital nomad. So, but it uh, would be it would be tricky, of, and then yeah. you just have to suck it up and like put in the two FA every time you log in. There are ways around making that easier on your computer. We can talk about that another time. Um, but if you live in a static location, we pay an extra $5 a month for our internet to have a static IP address. And it saves me probably hours a month worth of not having to put in 2FA every single time I log into my website. But you can do ranges as well. So if yeah. you if your well, home got, has a range. We, we can do VP, you know, static. Anyway, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. I was just thinking that anybody that disappeared around the hour mark has just missed the best five minutes of the show listening to Sarah talk about that. You mean 14 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Getting my rage on. (laughs) She's going. She's going now. Um, uh, For me, uh, I've always felt that um, for for a lot of people that uh, are working on their own and they feel like they're the last port in a storm, and this comes back to what Tim was just saying. Um, I had a client who I was sitting at eight o'clock in the evening watching probably Game of Thrones or something. And I had an uptime robot um, message saying site down. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Just what you want. I'm watching Game of Thrones. I know. It was really important. It was a really good episode as well. (laughs) (laughs) And... And I went, right, okay, let's go and have a look and see what's going on. And actually, one of the things I was going to say is my final thought is communication because I immediately contacted the client and said, your site is down, just to let you know your site is down. Because I think sometimes we feel that we shouldn't be telling them, but we should. If their site's been down, for whatever reason, your site is down. This is a major e-commerce site. So, I mean, for me, it was a no-brainer anyway. I then found out um, when I contacted them, they messaged me back and they said, oh, we forgot to tell you that we're um, our product's going on national television tonight. And, uh, um, yeah, we, we meant to tell you. Right. So, okay, so your site's down. You know, and I went on to Google Analytics just to have a look 
and see how many concurrent connections there were. And I'd never seen so many. There were 700 concurrent connections on Google Analytics. I've never seen it since. And, uh, and it was just, it was mental. So it, it, it actually helped me fix it really quickly. The trick is communicate, don't panic. Um, and as Tim said, if you get into stuck, go for help quick. All right. Well, I, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Divi Chat. So thank you um, to my co-panelists for all the expert uh, inside advice. And again, everyone in the chat. And if you're listening to this podcast uh, in the future and you have not ever made it to a live show, we encourage you to do that sometime. Head over uh, if you can and join in the chat. It's a lot of fun. So with that, thanks a lot for being here, everyone. Take care.